Today, we are going to be having a think about the question, what do we expect the Christian life to look like? And you may be approaching that question as someone who's recently become a Christian. You may be approaching that question as someone who's been a Christian for many years. Or you may be exploring the Christian faith for the very first time, and you are very welcome here today. So are we to expect it to be easy, comfortable, always full of joy and happiness, a tale of victory and success? Or are we to expect it to be, well, really quite hard, an uphill battle, surrounded by opposition, fighting the same sins and temptation, and sometimes we may feel like giving up. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands at this point about what your experience is. But for many of us who are Christians, while there are certainly moments of great joy and blessing, often the day-to-day -day Christian life feels, well, really pretty tough. So, is this what we are to expect? To try and answer this question, we are going to be looking together at a short passage which Sam read for us from the letter of to Timothy. Now, this is the very final letter that the Apostle Paul wrote in the New Testament before his death. And unlike many of his previous letters, which were written to churches, this letter is written to an individual called Timothy, hence the name to Timothy. And Timothy is a man who has been with Paul for many years on his various missionary journeys around Europe and Asia, helping to spread the good news of the gospel. And Timothy is the man in line to receive the baton from Paul after his departure, departure, to continue in the mission of preaching the gospel to the nations. And Paul writes this letter from prison again in Rome, shortly before he is sentenced to execution. But his concern in this letter is not for himself, but for Timothy, who, from what we can gather in reading this letter, is having a really tough time. He is in the city of Ephesus, which was home to what was once a flourishing church that we read about in the letter to the Ephesians. But in the space of less than a decade, it appears to have fallen from their strong roots, turned away from the Apostle Paul and into a pattern of false teaching. Look with me at chapter 1 verse 15. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me. And in chapter 2, verse 17, among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. And we get a sense of Timothy's emotional, sense of emotional state in the midst of this opposition in chapter 1, verse 4, where Paul says, As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. And so Paul's big message to Timothy in this letter is one of encouragement to keep going, to not be ashamed of the gospel, but to be willing to share in suffering for the sake of the gospel by the power of God. And in our passage today, at the beginning of chapter two, Paul gives Timothy and us an insight into our question, what are we to expect the Christian life to look like? And he does this by giving us a few examples of Christian living for Timothy to seek to emulate, and in turn, us also as modern day followers of Jesus. So let's take a look at some of these now. 
You may have spotted some of them as Sam read the reading to us. So the first example we have is actually a trio, a three-in-one example where we hear about the soldier, the athlete, and the farmer. And you may be wondering, what do a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer have in common? And what have they got to do with being a Christian? If you picture them in your mind's eye, you see them wearing and doing pretty different things. Well, let's take a look at the verses again and see if we can work it out. I'll just read again for us verses 3 to 6. Verse 3, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. So a couple of characteristics that I noticed them having in common is firstly, they are all people who work hard. Think of the soldier and the level of commitment and discipline required to train up to the high level demanded for in service and battle. Think of the athlete, and this is the one I like to think I can resonate with more than the other two, and the endless hours spent practicing and training so they are that ready for the day of competition. And then the farmer, who was up before dawn, feeding the chickens, herding the cattle, working and cultivating land, and the countless other jobs involved in the day-to-day -day running of farm life. So they are people who work hard, and secondly, they are people who work hard with a goal in mind. See the soldier in verse 4, his goal is to please the one who enlisted him, his commanding officer. The athlete in verse 5, his goal is to win the race and be crowned champion. And the hard-working farmer in verse 6, his goal is the harvest and the first share of the crops. So to apply these examples to the Christian life, well, we are expected to be hard work, but we are always to keep the goal in mind. We are to, in verse 3, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And we see this concept emerging, which we'll see developed further in our next examples, that the Christian life is one of hard work now, reward to follow. It is one of suffering now, glory later. We are to expect the Christian life to be hard work. We are to expect there to be suffering as we seek to mold ourselves and our lives into the likeness of Jesus, as we seek to overcome sin and temptation, as we seek to live for Jesus in our lives and our workplaces, and as we seek to share the good news of the gospel to a world that doesn't seem to want to hear it. But at the end of it all, there is a very, very great reward to follow. Paul speaks of this reward later in the letter, Flick forward to chapter 4, if you still have your Bibles open. And in verses 7 and 8, Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. The reward to come the goal in mind is one of such majesty and splendor where we will one day be in heaven face to face with the Lord Jesus and on that day he will award us with a crown of righteousness and we will hear those glorious words, well done, good and faithful servant. 
What a strong motivation and encouragement this is to keep going through hard work and suffering, knowing there is a very great reward to come. So our next example for Christian living, which I'm sure you'll agree is of particular relevance and importance, is in verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. So as we think of Jesus and think of his life that we read of in the gospels, we see the ultimate example of this idea and concept and vision of suffering now, glory later. We have Jesus, the son of God, the offspring of David, the promised king who came to earth and chose not a path of power, victory and triumph, although he did demonstrate all of those things, just not in the way we expected, but rather the path he chose was one of suffering as he took the road to the cross with all the humiliation and pain that was involved. And he did this all to bear the punishment for our wrongdoings and sins as he died on that cross. And then he rose, he rose from the dead, conquering death, defeating sin, so that we might come into a right relationship with God before he ascended into glory, where he is now seated at the right hand of the Father. And so Jesus demonstrating this idea of suffering now, glory later, he calls all of his followers to follow this example, to take the same path he took, the one of suffering now, glory later. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus says to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Jesus calls us to join him on this path of suffering now, one of denying ourselves, picking up our cross and following him, but remembering that there is a great, great glory that awaits if we stick with him on this path. So one question we may have is, how do we keep going when things get really hard? in times of real suffering where we just can't seem to find a way out. Back in verse one of chapter two, at the beginning of our passage, Paul says to Timothy, in the midst of his tears and suffering, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What a comfort those words would have been for Timothy in the middle of his hardship and suffering, that Jesus was with him, strengthening him by the power of his grace. And so with us, in the very hardest challenges, the moments of greatest suffering we face in life, well, Jesus is right there with us, strengthening us by the power of his grace. Remember those cherished words from Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So in Jesus, we see the ultimate example of, of that path of suffering now, glory later. And in our fifth and final example, we see one of his early followers who was willing to follow Jesus on this path, the apostle Paul. Let's look at his example in verses nine and 10, and I'll just read verse eight before for the context. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. 
Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So Paul is in prison, bound with chains as a criminal, shortly before he is to be sentenced to death for preaching the gospel. But let's have a look at his mindset in the midst of his time in prison. Firstly, he exclaims at the end of verse 9, Although I am suffering, the word of God is not bound. Paul is encouraged and excited that even though he is in chains, that the word of God is not bound, that it is powerful and active, that continues to go out to the world to this very day, touching people's hearts, drawing them to Jesus as they hear and respond to the good news of the gospel through people such as Timothy who continue to preach the word. Secondly, in verse 10, we see how he keeps going by keeping the goal in mind. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Jesus with eternal glory. What motivates him to keep going and endure suffering is not this time even his own reward, but of those who are hearing and responding to the gospel. He is sharing, thereby obtaining our salvation that is in offer with Jesus and the eternal glory that goes with it. And it is a great motivation for us to share our faith with our friends, family, and colleagues, as difficult as it is. And it is really difficult. As we think of the wonderful and eternal glory that awaits them if they respond in faith to the good news of the gospel. So we've seen those five examples, the soldier, the athlete, and the farmer, Jesus, Paul, And our passage closes with a trustworthy saying in verses 11 to 13, which we heard in Irene's prayer. And this is a challenging saying with two edges to it, that there are two paths, one of following Jesus, joining him on the path of suffering now, glory later, and the other of not following Jesus, of rejecting his path and instead choosing our own path. Verse 11, this saying is trustworthy, If we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. In the first half, we see that pattern of suffering now, glory later, that if we die with him, we will live with him. That if we endure, then we will also reign with him. And in the second, we see what happens if instead... We deny him and choose to take our own path. That at the end, on judgment day, rather than receiving the reward, the crown of righteousness, and hearing those words, well done, good and faithful servant, instead he will deny us. And instead we will hear those most painful of words, depart from me, I never knew you. For if we remain faithless and do not put our trust in God and instead choose our own path, Then Jesus remains faithful to his words that it is only those who follow him on his path that pick up their cross and follow him who will receive the reward for their faith. And those who deny him will instead face the judgment of God. So a challenging note to end on, but a summary of what we've learned in this passage that that the Christian life, that the only way to life and glory is through following Jesus on his path of suffering now, glory later. So back to our question at the start, 
what do we expect the Christian life to look like? We've seen those examples, the trio of the soldier, the athlete, and the farmer, who shared that characteristic of working hard with a goal in mind. And then we have the example of Jesus, who was that ultimate example of suffering now as he took the road to the cross, and glory later as he conquered sin and rose into glory. And he calls us to take the same path that he took. That if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And on that path, he promised us to be with us every step of the way, strengthening us by the power of his grace. And finally, we see the example of the Apostle Paul, who is willing to follow Jesus on the path of suffering now, glory later. So I hope you've heard some words of encouragement to keep going, to work hard in following Jesus, to endure suffering for it is so, so worth it for the crown of righteousness and the eternal glory that awaits. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian and would like to know anything more about what we've discussed, come and find me or Sam or anyone else who looks friendly and we'd be more than happy to talk through things more. Father, we thank you so much for your love for us, demonstrated in Jesus as he went to the cross and took the punishment for our sins. And we pray that we would respond in faith to that call to pick up our cross and follow you because it is so, so worth it. And we thank you in those very hardest of times that you are right there with us, strengthening us by the power of your grace. Amen.